It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We are live. It is a Monday morning. Welcome to the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, uh, here to kick off your week with uh, an episode. We're talking about position battles today. Uh, like I said, we're diving into the season here. We're not too far away. It was, uh, let's see, today, Sunday, we were Benny Fowler days away, 13 days away. From MSU football today, as you're listening, go to M, uh, Standing Room MSU on Twitter or Standing Room Spartans on Instagram, and we are Rocky Lombardi days away from MSU football. We are 12 days away, and oh boy, man, it's sneaking up on us, right? You know, the the more college football I watch, the more I, I start really actually envisioning this team running out of the tunnel for for Week One against Rutgers and. It's exciting. It's it's definitely a strange feeling this year, knowing that you know we won't be able to go and tailgate and head into the stadium, and it makes it a little bit of a weird feeling. But you know, hey, we're we're starting to get ready for this. So again, follow on Twitter at Standing Room MSU if you don't already, because next week, next Monday, will be the start of game week, and we're going to go through. It's going to be a long episode. We're going to do our predictions. Uh, most likely on Monday, and we're also going to do uh, the superlatives. Uh, I might break them up into kind of two episodes um, and then give you Thursday will be a a preview of the Rutgers game. So we might actually end up with three episodes next week, give you guys a bonus episode, Um, because, yeah, we're going to go through the superlatives. So who's the best athlete on the team? Um, Who's the backup that's most likely to start by the end of the season? Um, who's the breakout guy? Who's the, you know, what we got like 20 different categories. Uh, we're going to run through all of that, hopefully with Scott and TJ back on the podcast. Um, and we're going to do the fan voting. So, so I'll put all of those up on Twitter, uh, probably Friday of this week. So keep an eye out for that. Um, get your votes in for the superlatives again at standing room MSU on Twitter. Um, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. We got a lot of fun categories. We'll we'll mix that up throughout the day on on Friday, I believe, and get you guys involved with it. Um, we'll have four nominees for each category, um, and then on the podcast next week, uh, you know, Scott, TJ, and I will give you who we think should win. We'll give you who the fans thought would win, and, and it'll be a lot of fun. So keep an eye out for that on Twitter. 
Um, we'll got the, we got that coming down the pipeline, and uh, we got a lot of stuff here as we're starting to really gear up. We got, again, full predictions are coming. And then, uh, you know, before you know it, it'll be next Thursday, and we'll be previewing a, a real football game against Rutgers. So I can't wait for all of that. Uh, we'll make sure that uh, we keep giving you guys some great content as this thing continues to grow. Uh, if you haven't already, right now, you don't even have to pause it. Just right now, go on to your Apple podcast feed. Leave a quick review and, and just write a little post. If you want to ask a question, I'll definitely answer it here on the pod. Uh, but if uh, if you just want to say, like, you know, hey, great podcast or something small and simple, that's that's awesome. I, I really helps um, when you have those written reviews. So I, I really do appreciate everything as we're starting to get into the football season here. As the listener base continues to grow, I want to keep getting my name out here, and I, I appreciate each and every one of you uh, for the support you've you've given over the last couple of months here as we're really getting this independent thing off the ground after last year's downtown Spartans. Um, if we have some carryover listeners, you know we're we're going independent here this year, and it's it's a lot of fun. So I, I appreciate that a whole lot. Um, so let's get into it. I, I do have a couple mailbag questions that we'll get to first here, and then we'll jump into the position battles. So, uh, let's see. Number one, we have from Scott L. Brown and Scott, if you're listening, I, I do, I do plan on having you on the podcast. Scott's a former player at MSU, uh, played in the early two thousands, late nineties. I know he played, you know, in that like Charles Rogers era, and he has a lot of good things to say about him. And I, I do plan on having you on, Scott. It's been a crazy couple couple of months, really, here uh, with with canceled season, and then we're back, and then we're trying to figure this all out. So definitely, um, we'll we'll have you on, no doubt. Uh, I definitely want to talk about your time here, but you do have a question. You say, who is MSU's biggest breakout player this year? Someone most fans don't even know, but will have a great season. That's from at SL Brownie on Twitter, Scott L. Brown. So it depends on how you want to look at this question. The the way you're framing it is someone that most fans don't really know right now that I think could have a good season. So, you know, there's your your kind of more traditional breakout guys, I guess, but I the way I'm looking at this question is we already know the starters, right? So Jaden Reed coming in from Western Michigan, I think most of the fans know his name by now. You know, Trey Mosley, while he wasn't like a, a big impact player until late last year, I think he would qualify for a breakout candidate in the traditional sense. But, you know, we, we know about those guys and we've talked about them. So I want to give you somebody a little bit more off the radar it's a it's a backup defensive tackle. Um, we're going deep here. Jalen Hunt, though, th- this is a guy. He's coming out of Belleville. Uh, somebody that I I really do believe is is going to be in for a lot of playing time this year. You know that defensive tackle position. Of course, Naquan Jones is going to be slotted in there at a starter. Um, but he's three hundred forty pounds. You know we we know that that could be a problem with conditioning. Uh, you know, I believe in the kid to to really put it to work in this offseason and make sure that he can stay on the field. But he's never been in this full time starting role. And at 340 pounds, I'm sure that there will be a bit of a rotation there. Jacob Slade is probably slotted into the other starting spot, at least to start this season. He's somebody with quite a bit of experience and has played pretty well. But behind them, you got Jalen Hunt and you got Deshaun Mallory. 
And again, we've rotated these defensive tackles, especially in the whole defensive line, pretty consistently over the last few years. Now we'll see, you know, as Ron Burton's coming back as a defensive line coach, I, I don't really expect a whole lot to to change there in terms of how he uses his personnel. Of course, we have a new defensive coordinator, but um, I, I expect that trend to continue, especially with some bigger guys in there. So I, I really expect Jalen Hunt to get a lot, for, a lot of opportunity here. And look, he's a big guy. He's, he's pretty athletic, too. Uh, he's coming in. Uh, north of 300 pounds, six foot four, and he was coming out of high school as as more of a defensive end. He was 235 pounds, six three, pass rusher, and has shown a lot of juice coming around the edge, and and has some good pass rush moves. So when you bulk that up to a guy that's in the middle now at like 330, uh, that that can make a big impact. And he was somebody with with quite a nice offer sheet here. Um, coming out, he had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, eight, nine, ten power five offers. He was originally signed to play at Iowa, school that keeps putting out NFL defensive linemen year after year. So I really think Jalen Hunt's going to have a nice year this year. Redshirt freshman, again, out of Belleville, I, I think he can make some plays uh, as, as a rotational guy. And who knows, by the end of the year, maybe he he locks down that starting role next to Naquan Jones. I think there's a lot of competition on this roster, as we'll talk about in this episode pretty extensively. And uh, maybe that's a spot where, you know, going into the year again, Slade is probably penciled in there. But I think that's by no means locked in in Sharpie for all eight, nine games, whatever we end up getting to play. So um, I'll, I'll go Jalen Hunt there as the guy that, you know, maybe not a whole lot of people know about, but I, I think can fill into this defensive line and, and have a nice season. So um, good question there, Scott. Hopefully that answers it. Uh, next question. Last question. Jeffrey the Greek uh, from the Eyes on Big podcast. If you haven't already, go back and listen to there was a, an interview we did with the eyes on big guys, Big Kurt and Jeffrey the Greek. Um, good interview. There's, they're a good podcast if you're looking for a, a conference-wide kind of snapshot. They're doing, I know, their previews right now. Um, as I'm recording this, Michigan State's preview hasn't come up yet, um, but I'll sure let you guys know when it does because they do a good job and they have a lot of fun with it. But Jeffrey the Greek asks, what style of offense do you expect Michigan State to run in Tucker's first year? Now, you know, it's it's hard to say, right? The first year with an offensive coordinator, or a new head coach and a new offensive coordinator, it's hard to gauge exactly what they've done in the past, especially considering last year, Jay Johnson, it was his first year in Colorado. So, you know, a good offensive coordinator adapts their play calling, adapts their scheme to the talent they have on the roster. They're they're not trying to fit circle pegs into square holes or whatever the, the analogy is. I from what I've seen from Colorado, there's there's a couple hints of what we might see here at Michigan State here in East Lansing. And number one, and something I've talked about is a bit more zone blocking than we've had over the last few years. So Quick zone blocking 101 is basically you're, you as an offensive lineman, 
you know, in the traditional blocking, let's say it's it's more man to man. You're just kind of okay. I got this guy. You got this guy, uh, and and you figure it out in that way. Zone blocking. It's basically what it sounds like. You're blocking a zone. You're blocking an area. So let's say you're you're zone blocking on this running play, and there's there's no defensive lineman lined up on top of you. Well, you know, you climb up to the second level. You go get the linebacker that comes into this this area. So it, it makes it a bit more simple really uh, for the offensive lineman. It, it basically says, okay, this is your space block. Anybody that comes into this space. Uh, and, and I think that's going to be good for the offensive line. I think it's going to be really good for Eli Collins because from a running back perspective, the, the one cut runners are traditionally really productive in these type of, of offenses because you're looking for the hole. You hit your. You take your one cut. You hit that hole wherever it is. Uh, and and in the traditional blocking schemes, you know, okay, we're blocking it so that you're going here, and maybe it doesn't work, and you got to find a cutback, something like that. But in the zone blocking, it's just all right. We're going this way, and uh, whatever hole you see open up first, you go that way, and it's it, it simplifies it a little bit, in my opinion. So I, I think we're going to see a lot more zone blocking. Um, again, you, you think about Kyle Shanahan and his dad, uh, they've done zone blocking in the NFL for a long time. And it's, it's kind of one of those schemes where, um, his dad, Mike Shanahan, I'm blanking now, Mike Shanahan, right. Is, um, you go back to those like mid two thousands, early two thousands, Denver Broncos teams, they had a thousand yard rusher every single year. And it was a different player every year. And you'd never heard of the guy. And it was just Hey, if if you can find a hole and you can hit it, you can play in this offense. So I think Eli Collins is really going to excel, especially with his ability to shed arm tackles. I think he's a guy who's going to, you know, hey, one cut, get to the second level, break an arm tackle, and maybe get loose for fifty yards or something. But I, I really think that could be a really productive role in this offense. Uh, the other thing you kind of see is is a, a more simplified read for the quarterback. This is something I saw quite a bit in watching Colorado last year. Steven Montez was not a good quarterback. I'm going to start by saying that, that, that they played with at Colorado. But it seemed like, and again, it's always hard to judge exactly what's going on in, in terms of the offense and what the play call is and what the first read to second read, so on. But from watching the quarterback's eyes and kind of seeing how he progressed in his dropbacks, it seemed like the the offensive scheme, the offensive play call was a lot more first read stuff. So, okay, here's the play call. This is the guy who should be open on this play. If he's not, you know, figure something out. But this is your read. Look at him. Throw the ball to him. That's what it seemed like to me. Now I could be wrong. Uh, again, it's it's really hard to judge especially on the offensive side of the ball, uh, what they're trying to do without knowing what the play call is, right? So it seemed like a lot more first read kind of stuff where, it, again, you're trying to simplify it for a quarterback, and, and maybe that's going to be good for a guy like Rocky Lombardi. You're not overflowing him with information, and okay, this guy's not open, this guy's going to be here, and this guy, it's like, no, okay, you look for this guy, and if he's not open, you know, maybe tuck down a run, maybe... 
you know, you can look for that second read, but it seems like it should be just in general, a bit more simplified and maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. I'm not sure. Uh, traditionally, I guess you, you might see a lot of that when you know that your team is more talented than everybody else. And you can say, okay, let's just play a simplified game here. Everybody play fast and play with your instincts and, you know, we'll figure this thing out and we'll, we'll out athlete you. And that's something that really Mel Tucker has preached from day one is, hey, we're going to play fast. And how do you play fast? You play with a simple scheme and you let the guys just go on instincts and you don't try to complicate the game because football is a complicated game. It's already complicated enough. You, you don't need to add more to their plate so that they're hesitating and they're thinking too much on the field. As, as a football coach, you don't want your players thinking, as, as weird as that sounds. You want them just to go on instinct. And I think that's the goal of the Jay Johnson offense is just to you know make it simple and, and let players play fast. Now, whether that's easy to execute or not, we'll, we'll see. That'll continue to, uh, to take shape. But I think those are kind of the two main things that I've seen standing out in, in trying to watch a lot of these Colorado games is a lot more zone blocking in the run game and a more kind of simple one-read look for the quarterback to try to make his life a little bit easier. So we'll, we'll see what comes out, but good question by Jeffrey the Greek, and we'll see after week one uh, how this plays itself out. But I think it's going to be really interesting. So <clears throat> that's uh, that's the mailbag for today. Again, uh, follow on Twitter at StandingRoomMSU. Follow or uh, leave me an Apple review wherever you want to leave it on Instagram at StandingRoomSpartans. At any time, you can leave me a question, really. Um, I'll put out a tweet before an episode if I uh, if I need a couple questions. Um, and, and, of course, you can respond to that. But really, at any time, you, c- you can go ahead and send me a tweet, send me a DM, and I'll make sure I read it out on the podcast if we have some time. So uh, let's get to these position battles here. And, of course, just like in everything else, we're going to start with the quarterback here because that's the most pressing position battle. That's the most talked about position battle and the most important position battle. Um, Mel Tucker recently in a press conference said that all three guys are still taking basically equal reps. It it really seems like they're embracing this quarterback battle. And, you know, you can argue that that's good or bad. You can argue, well, shouldn't we have a starting quarterback by now? You know, if somebody hasn't really taken the job, maybe that's not a good sign. Um, You can also argue, hey, maybe these three guys are all showing something and they're just having a tough time really choosing, narrowing it down to one, especially with the limited practices. They've they've had a lot of time with these guys, really, when you look at all the Zoom chats that they've had, all, all the time that they've got. They've been able to spend quite a bit of time with these guys in the facilities, but it was mostly just workouts in smaller groups. There's been very limited on-the-field pads, seven-on-seven type practice where you get a chance to to evaluate these quarterbacks. And so this dragging into, you know, we're two weeks out from the game time. And and I really think by the, the Rutgers game next week that we're going to see at least two quarterbacks in that game. That, that's kind of the, the vibe I'm getting right now when you're reading the tea leaves <clears throat> is that this quarterback competition might spill into the season. 
And you might think that that's, that's a disaster that we can't have that, but look, we, we didn't get a spring game. I mean, they're going to do a bunch of scrimmages. I can guarantee you that. And they're going to try to get this thing narrowed down. But the end of the day, we've look, we, it wasn't that long ago that Andrew Maxwell and, uh, and Connor or Tyler O'Connor and Connor, Tyler O'Connor and Connor cook. There we go. Uh, we're, we're battling it out into, no, that was Andrew Maxwell. Yeah. And, and Connor cook in 2013, that, we were like three games into that season before Connor Cook really took the job and led us to a Rose Bowl. And and you forget about it because of the result of the season. But we went into that season with a quarterback competition. And so, look, it's it's not ideal, but it, it, we've had success with it in the past. It's not the end of the world that we, we can go into a week one and still not know who the quarterback is. So I, I really do expect this battle to to continue into week one. And again, at least two guys, maybe by then they narrowed it down to, okay, uh, Rocky and day, you guys are fighting it out for the top spot. Thorne, you know, you, you had a good camp, but you're just a step behind these two guys, or maybe it's, you know, Thorne and Rocky or Thorne and day, who knows? But I, I really expect at least two quarterbacks to get, uh, you know, non-garbage time snaps in that Rutgers game, unless whoever comes in there first just lights it up and, and doesn't give up that job. But I, I really expected that to be the case. But let's look at these quarterbacks. So you have, of course, Rocky Lombardi. Um, his He has the advantage in that he has thrown 175 Big Ten college football passes. Um, you know, Theo Day has three attempts, Peyton throwing a zero. So you, you have a little bit more of a base with Rocky, you have a guy who's who's played in the Big Ten, who knows what to expect. He's been around the program for for a little bit more time as well. You have the Purdue game last year, or 2018, excuse me. 56% completion percentage, 318 yards, two touchdowns. Now, that was his first start. That, that was something where maybe Purdue wasn't really expecting that, and it, it caught him off guard. But that was a good start. That was a great Great game by quarterback. He managed the game. 56% doesn't seem like a whole lot, but that was right around where Connor Cook was his entire career. That's just kind of what uh, Mark D'Antonio expected of these offenses. When we were going to throw the ball, we were going to throw the ball down the field, and we are going to take some shots, and you're going to get one-on-one coverage. You're going to throw it up to Aaron Burbridge down the sideline, 40 yards downfield. I mean, there was a lot of deep, difficult sideline throws built into that offense, so... If if somebody went for 65% in that offense, that would be amazing. It's just not realistic. So uh, 56%, 318 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Great game. Great game by a quarterback. You go back and watch it even, and it's like, hey, this guy's got something. There, there wasn't just kind of fluke throws. It wasn't like, you know, a whole lot of yards after catch. It was it's good quarterback, good plays. Then later on in that season, uh, the last two games that he saw a, a lot of action in, Nebraska and Rutgers, he combined in those two games for 319 yards, one touchdown, and two picks on 40%. Um, the only action he saw last year really was at Wisconsin. We, I think it's safe to say we can throw that out, man. It was That was a 38 nothing blowout. Nobody on Michigan State had a good game. Nobody brought brought it in that one it's just I don't think it's fair to judge a quarterback by that game so 
Look, in in three significant games that he played in, he played an Ohio State game in 2018 as well, but that was one where you're going up against that Ohio State defense and and Mark D'Antonio just threw him in in the third quarter and said, good luck. That was, again, I've talked about it before, but I think they handled that Brian Lewerke injury, Rocky Lombardi coming in. They, They handled that so poorly where they should have just either Given the job to to Rocky Lombardi and said, "Hey, Lewerke, you're hurt. Go rehab, get this thing right, and then come back to us." Rocky, until then, you're a quarterback. But they just kept dragging out Brian Lewerke for the first four drives and seeing, okay, does he look healthy? Does he look good? Hey, you know, hey, we can keep him in there. Or no, no, Rocky, you're coming in. Like you got to give a quarterback the game, and and that just wasn't fair to him. So. That's that's the thing that's tough to evaluate, man, with Rocky is is that 2018 season. Look, it wasn't good outside of that Purdue game. The stats were bad. It looked bad. And there was a lot going wrong with that offense, with that team and with that whole situation. Because, again, you're asking a quarterback to basically go into the game and saying, OK, you're the backup quarterback, but be ready to play because we might need you in the first quarter. You're like, okay, am I preparing as the starter? Am I preparing as the backup? What are we doing here? So, look, that's a tough situation on a young kid. And I'm I'm trying to be fair to Rocky here and saying, like, when you're not marching out there as the starting quarterback, commanding your offensive line, commanding your wide receiver's attention, it, it makes it more difficult for a young kid to go in in the middle of a game, especially against Ohio State, and, and be expected to perform let's let's be fair in that sense now again from objectively evaluating his quarterbacking it wasn't pretty there was a lot of missed throws there there was a lot of overthrows on the sideline there there was just a lot left to be desired but again the situation wasn't ideal it was far from ideal in fact and um in that sense i think we have to be fair to the situation but um, he's he's mobile. We, he's shown the ability to run. He's shown the ability to to put a shoulder into a kid, and uh, I, I think he definitely has that leadership type of mentality. He's got that moxie in him that that people gravitate to. So I, I think when you know when he runs third and five, when he runs and and puts his shoulder into a linebacker to get the ball over the la- the the first down line to gain that you know teammates keep an eye on that kind of stuff and you see that and you, you really take note so um rocky from everything i've heard is a good leader he's a good kid and hopefully he's continued to develop in terms of the quarterbacking because again we've seen the flash and that was purdue uh we've seen a lot of bad but the circumstances were never in his favor to succeed so of course you have rocky of theo day he was two for three for 12 yards against Penn State. That was his only college football action, but he was a three-star uh, quarterback. Depending on the service, he was a, a top 10, even top 20 uh, pro-style quarterback in the United States. Uh, he was He's coming in this year at 6'5", 225. He gets a lot of hype for his arm, and rightfully so. And Again, yeah, there's just not a whole lot of experience to fall back on with Theo Day or Peyton Thorne. He's 6'2", 210, three-star, dual-threat quarterback. Um, he was top 20 dual-threat in the quarterback in, in the country coming out for, by 24-7. 
Um, so I, I think Rocky's go, coming in with an inherent advantage in that he's played college football. He has thrown 175 passes. He knows what it's like um, where Theo Day and Peyton Thorne, they don't have that advantage. And and maybe they have some you know traits that, that it's, that's the funny thing about it is that you know Peyton Thorne he's he's kind of the smaller faster more agile kid of the three Theo Day 6'5 225 your your kind of traditional quarterback that that you look for that prototype guy and he's he's mobile he can move around a little bit he can get that first down when you need it you know think about like Kirk Cousins you're never you're never gonna mistake him for like a running quarterback but when you need four or five yards on third down he can get out to the outside and 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 make a play. And then you have Rocky Lombardi, who's kind of a weird mix between the two of them. Um, he's, he's not the same kind of stature as Theo day. Um, he's not quite as mobile as Peyton Thorne, but, um, it's, it's going to be really interesting. And again, I, I really expect this battle to go into week one and it's damn near impossible for anybody to predict what's going to happen after week one. Cause I do think Rocky's going to go out there and, and take the first snap under center. And after that, I have no idea what's going to happen. So that's going to be one that, of course, as Michigan State fans, we're going to be following with a new offensive coordinator who's going to be this quarterback. We didn't, we're not sure. Now, the wide receiver position, uh, this isn't this is interesting because I think really there's four guys that are vying for significant, significant playing time. Um, and then you have another guy that's going to be rotating in for sure. Um, so let's just run through these guys. And you have Jaden Reed. Again, that's the freshman All-American coming in from Western Michigan. Uh, is in 2018 as a true freshman. He had 56 catches, 797 yards, eight touchdowns. Also a punt return touchdown. Really electric with the ball in his hands. He, he can get behind the defense, take the top off of you on deep balls. He, he can kill you on a slant pass where he just breaks the tackle and, and goes the distance. Really exciting athlete. And the question is, he's been, you know, he hasn't played a down in over, well over a year now. And that was in the max. So how does he adapt to the Big Ten? He's gotten some good... Um, some nice comments from Jay Johnson in press conferences saying, you know, this is a guy that we want to get the ball in his hands. So um, Jaden Reed is, is going to be the first guy you're looking at. Trey Mosley, true sophomore last year as a freshman, 21 for 216 and a touchdown. Most of that production coming in the final two games of the season, giving him some momentum going into the offseason. But he had 11 power five offers coming out of West Bloomfield. He was a pretty nice recruit. Um, he's he's like six one, six two, and has some good size. So we, I, I really think he's going to lock down one of those outside receiver spots, um, and and make quite an impact here this year. Jalen Naylor, of course, we know him. He in ten games, he's had twenty three catches, two hundred forty four yards, and two touchdowns to go along with fourteen rushing attempts for one hundred fifty five yards and a touchdown. There's a lot of production when he's on the field, but again, he's only played 10 games in two seasons. So how is that going to evolve? How is his uh, how is his injury prevention going to improve? You know, there was a lot of talk with the offensive line about doing a lot more flexibility training, yoga, injury prevention type stuff. Hopefully Jalen Naylor's gotten in on that trend because we need him to stay healthy. We need him to stay on the field. 
Now, those three are are my kind of leaders in the clubhouse for for starting, you know, a three wide receiver set, which Jay Johnson did a ton of last year at Colorado, way more than we had at Michigan State when you're looking at personnel percentages. So those, I think, would be the three leaders for the most significant playing time. Uh, But we'll throw in Trayvon Morgan. I I think he's going to be competing for a lot of playing time. Look, he's six foot seven, 230 pounds. And, you know, you can make a lot out of that for what you will. But Chase Claypool in the NFL uh, today on Sunday, he had four touchdowns for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you know why? Because he's six foot four, 230 pounds, and he can run. (laughs) I mean, that's why. And so Trayvon Morgan, I think, is going to get a shot for some playing time. Look, he's, he's going to be going up against corners that are 5'10", 6'2", tops, tops. You know, Julian Barnett's a big corner at 6'2". And, and I think Trayvon Morgan, just because of that inherent advantage on third down and clutch situations in the red zone, he's going to be in for a lot of playing time. He was a four-star kid on, uh, on either Rivals or 24-7. I don't remember. It was one of the two. He had a, you know, a almost a dozen power five offers. I mean, this is a kid that people wanted and there's a lot of reasons for that. But the main reason is that he's big and can run. So um, can he kind of fine tune his receiving skill set? You know, that's still to be seen, but the athletic profile and the size are clearly there. Um, he's just got to get down the finer parts of the game and, and he can definitely be right in the thick of that battle for playing time. Um, and CJ Hayes, he's he played eight games last year at 14 catches, 154 yards. He was a three-star athlete out of Kentucky coming in. Uh, he's he's got eight Power Five offers under his belt, but he's a little bit older than the rest of these guys. But he's somebody that I, I think is going to be in the mix for playing time. Look, he he played pretty well in his in his role last year when when the ball was thrown his way, he he made plays, and so I think he's going to get opportunities here in this offense. Lares Nelson is is another guy coming out of Florida, smaller stature. He's definitely going to be in that kind of slot role. But you know, if a uh, if a Jalen Naylor goes down, that that's somebody that you expect to to really fill in. And um, he's he's got an electric athletic profile, a smaller size. He can slip tackles and uh, somebody that, if called upon, I think can make some plays. So definitely looking at uh, him for more of a backup to start the season, but if somebody goes down, he can fill in at a pretty good level. So I think, again, Jaden Reed, Trey Mosley, Jalen Naylor, Trayvon Morgan, CJ Hayes, Lares Nelson, who's going to come out of this group? I think you're looking at Jaden Reed, Trey Mosley, Jalen Naylor as the starting three wide receivers and three receiver packages, which is, again, primarily what you're going to look at from Jay Johnson. Now, you're going to throw Trayvon Morgan in there for some special packages. I, I really hope so, at least. And and C.J. Hayes and Lares Nelson, I expect to be depth players. So that's kind of how I expect that wide receiver group to shake out. Now, right tackle. I, I think left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, those spots are kind of slotted in, assuming that there are no injuries and stuff like that. You know, that, that shakes everything up. If we're looking for who's going to be the week one starter, um, right tackle is still up in the air, and there were some reports recently. Uh, Corey Robinson posted from from Twitter that Spencer Brown seems to have, you know, taken his name and um, 
really made himself a viable candidate for this right tackle spot. He's a redshirt freshman. He had he was a top 25 offensive tackle in the country coming out. He had 19 power five offers. There was a bunch of SEC schools in there. Six foot six, 310 pounds, but he's got probably the best athletic athletic profile. He's probably the most athletic offensive lineman on the team. He was like a wide receiver in high school for a couple of years. I mean, this is somebody who just um, there there was a story. I, I forget who did it. It was the free press or uh, maybe even M live or something. I'll have to find that to give somebody credit for it. But they did a story on him coming out of Wald Lake Western. And it was they were talking with his brother or, or someone in his family. And they were basically saying, yeah, he was like a wide receiver and a basketball player. And then he just started putting on weight and, you know, okay, we're now we're no, we're no longer a wide receiver. We're a tight end. And, oh boy, this is a big tight end. We could put him on the offensive line. And, and so he just continued growing and growing and growing. And, and here we have a potential starting right tackle in the big 10 as a red shirt freshman. And so it's, it's a really fun story if you want to look that up, but, um, yeah, Spencer Brown seems to be kind of the leader in the clubhouse here, and he's going to be battling it out. I think primarily with Devontae Dobbs, who's another redshirt freshman who is 6'5", 305. He was a top 50 overall player in the country in that class. He had 26 Power 5 offers from literally everybody. I mean, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, like LSU, Florida. I mean, the, every school in the country was after Devonte Dobbs, and for good reason. Um, his high school tape is just hilarious. He's just throwing people around. Um, but he got a, a few snaps last year. I know he played quite extensively in that Michigan game. He played, um, I think it was the Rutgers game. He he started and played quite a bit. So I think he's in line there, but. Um, there's been a lot of talk of, is he a guard? Is he a tackle? But I definitely think he's going to be in this competition at that right tackle spot. And I think it should be between those two, Spencer Brown and Devontae Dobbs. You have Luke Campbell, who who dropped a lot of weight rehabbing an ankle injury. You have Mustafa Khalifa, who's been around the program for a few years now. Uh, but I, I really expect it to come down to those two guys. And from reading the tea leaves right now, I think Spencer Brown's going to come out of there. I really do. And again, the athleticism is insane. It's that, you know, every time you watch an NFL game and there's a big guy that looks athletic, they always do the profile on him of, oh, he was a former basketball player and NFL draft. The, the scouts love that and teams love that. Spencer Brown's a guy where if he really fills out his frame and really plays up to his athleticism and fine tunes his technique and all of that, the potential is limitless. Let's be honest here. So um, I, I think Spencer Brown's going to come out of this competition on top and, and maybe Devontae Dobbs becomes a, you know, that rotational six swing offensive lineman, you know, maybe he moves inside. Maybe, you know, he, he fills in for somebody when, when there's an injury. Maybe he finds a starting spot at a guard. Who knows? But I, I think Spencer Brown's going to come out on top of that right tackle spot if we're looking right now. Those are the, the three primary ones on offense. I, I was thinking about tight end as well, but I, I really think Trenton Gillison is is the guy there. I think Matt Dotson's going to be a 
you know, he's going to be on the field, certainly, but I think Trenton Gillison is just the better player right now at this stage of their careers. So on defense, we're going to start with the second defensive end spot. The first spot is pretty safe to say Jacob Panishuk is going to be in there, but who's going to fill in that second spot? Now, Drew Beasley is the redshirt senior. He's the, the experienced guy. He's played on the defensive side of the ball in 15 games. He's got 20 tackles, six tackles for loss, and a sack and a half uh, under his belt. He's going to be competing here with Michael Fletcher, who's a redshirt freshman, much less experienced, but six foot six, 250 pounds. He was a top 25 defensive end in the country coming out of Flint, Carmen Ainsworth, the same school that Gerald Holmes came out of. Uh, he had a bunch of power five offers. Alabama had an offer out on him. Georgia had an offer out on him. So uh, this is somebody that I am really excited to see how his development has come along because you know, I was talking to Scott before we I started recording this and, and just talking about like, you know, he wasn't able to to make it on today, but we were just talking about like if there's if if I could hand pick one guy on the MSU roster to truly break out to like a an all big ten level. Somebody that's not there yet, but I could handpick somebody. So Eli Collins is already there. Antoine Simmons is already there. Most people probably say the quarterback, and, and look, it probably would be the quarterback. But if I could handpick one guy on the roster to say, if this guy broke out to an all-Big Ten-type level, this would have the biggest impact on the Michigan State team, the roster, and, and the wins and losses – it might be Michael Fletcher because with that with that talent level, with that size, with that length, adding that type of, of pass rusher would be so impactful for this defense. Uh, Scotty Hazleton, he, he blitzes on third downs. He'll come after you. But this is a defense that primarily – is going to be a cover three, bend but don't break. You're going to give up a bunch of yards, but hopefully you don't give up a, give up a bunch of points. And if Michael Fletcher could really be an effective pass, like a sack a game type of pass rusher in the Big Ten, that would make such a big difference for this defense. That makes the defensive backfield job easier. That makes the linebackers job easier. If you have somebody coming off the edge, commanding the attention of the offensive line, commanding the attention of the quarterback, that makes a big difference. So if I could handpick one guy in this roster to have, you know, an all Big Ten type season and and career, Michael Fletcher might be that guy, man, especially as a young player where we know we got a couple more years out of him. Really exciting talent. So I, man, this is this is a tough one because. Again, Drew Beasley's far more experienced. He's a redshirt senior. He's been around the program for a long time, and he's played in quite a few games. And Michael Fletcher doesn't have that. But Michael Fletcher has traits that Drew Beasley can't even dream about. And so this is one that's tough to predict. I would love to say Michael Fletcher. I really want to say Michael Fletcher here. Um, and I think they're both, again, this is a position battle. I, I think they're really going after this spot between the two of them. 
I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Michael Fletcher wins this job by the middle of the season. I, I really hope that's the case. Drew Beasley is a fine player. He's he's going to sure up that spot, and and I've even seen him get into the backfield and make a couple plays. So you know, when I go back on that Wake Forest game, he made a couple plays in the backfield that were really impressive. But he also got washed out of of, of a formation a couple times. He got knocked down. He 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 was very inconsistent, uh, and I just. I would love to see the talent of Michael Fletcher get a shot in there. So with Mel Tucker's kind of uh, tendency to look for big, strong, athletic guys, I think Mel or, uh, Michael Fletcher is, is going to have a real shot at this position. And I think that he's going to be given a real chance to, to take this, take command of this defense uh, from a pass rushing perspective, again, Mel Tucker has talked time and time again about we're looking for a certain profile of these guys. You need to be big, you need to be strong, you need to be athletic. And Michael Fletcher is all three of those in spades. So I think the talent's going to show itself, and I think he's going to get on the field. And I think Michael Fletcher is going to be that guy that's starting at defensive end opposite of of Jacob Anishuk. Now, I wanted to say the middle linebacker and the other outside linebacker, but I, I really think Noah Harvey's going to be that middle linebacker at least to start the season. So we'll we'll just spend time talking about the other outside linebacker spot besides Antoine Simmons um, when we do run three down or when we do run three linebackers. I think there's going to be a lot of nickel. Um, that's what a Scotty Hazleton ran a ton of last year. Even in games, you say, okay, well he was in the Big Twelve. Of course, he's going to run less, you know, base set three linebackers. But, um, I, you know, I was watching the games against uh, Texas as a team that, that ran the ball a ton last year. You had, um, what was the other game? Mississippi State, I think, was the other one I watched. Was um, that, that they played in SEC school. I'm, I'm blanking off the top. I think it was Mississippi State which, of course, this year is with Mike Leach running that air raid. But last year and in years past, they were running the ball down your throat at SEC school. So uh, they were running still a lot of two linebackers. So I expect to see that a lot. And when that's the case, it's probably going to be Noah Harvey and Antoine Simmons. But who's that third guy? And <clears throat> I think you're looking at two potential candidates here at least to start off the season. I think Devin Hightower, the freshman, might have a shot at this job by the end of the season. He's he's going to get some reps. But you have Chase Klein, the redshirt sophomore. He had 52 snaps last season, played in all 13 games, but was mostly a special teams guy. And you have Jess Lord Boateng, another redshirt sophomore. He had 59 snaps last year on defense, played in 11 games, primarily on special teams. So these two guys, they came in together in the same class, they were both pretty highly rated guys. Chase Klein was a four star on rivals, even, uh, but they both had you know ten power five offers. They both had you know really good schools coming after them, and uh, I, I think this one's going to be a battle. But I, I think Chase Klein's going to come out on top. I think Chase Klein's going to be the guy that um, is is really relied upon to to start at that third linebacker spot outside of Noah Harvey and, of course, Antoine Simmons. So 
Chase Klein probably going to be the linebacker you're looking at uh, in that when we do go with a base three linebackers. But I do expect to see a lot more nickel this year. And whether that means you're going to get your two most athletic linebackers on the field, whether it means you're going to get your two best linebackers on the field, I'm not sure. But that's who I expect to come out of that other spot. Last but not least, you have the cornerback position. You have, I think, three guys that are vying for those top two spots. And again, if you're going two linebackers, you're going to go with three corners. So you're going to see a lot of nickel. You're going to see a lot of all three of these guys on the field. But you have Julian Barnett, true sophomore. He played last year as a wide receiver, had 13 catches for 182 yards, had a couple carries as well. Uh, but he's six foot two, 190 pounds. That is a tremendous size for a, a cornerback uh, in the Big Ten. He was a top 100 overall recruit coming out of Belleville. I mean, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, everyone was after this kid. And he came to Michigan State. He was given the opportunity right away to get on the field. They just said, hey, we, you know, we, we feel good about our corners right now with Josh Butler and, and Josiah Scott. But we want to get this kid on the field. So we're, we're going to flip him over to offense and find a way to get the ball in his hands. And he did really well. So six foot two corner with with those type of ball skills that he possesses, with the type of athleticism he has, with the the recruiting profile, you know, coming out of Belleville. I, I think this kid is is going to be a star. I really do. I think he's going to be an all Big Ten type player. You know, Justin Lane had kind of the same deal, right? Played a lot of wide receiver. Um, you know, just one an athlete, a big corner, tried to get the ball in his hands, was a third round draft pick in the NFL of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And and I have a signed Justin Lane jersey because he was just such a joy to watch. He was a lot of fun. He when he got the ball in his hands on offense, he was great. When he was covering guys, he was locking them down on defense. He was making plays on the ball. And I see a lot of Justin Lane and Julian Barnett. I really think this guy is going to be an All Big Ten type player. I think he's going to be an NFL kid. Again, six foot two corners don't come around too often, and especially ones that are this athletic and this skilled at the point of attack with the ball. So, Julian Barnett, I expect to lock down one of those corner spots. The other two, I'm not really sure about. You have Kalon Gervin coming out of Cast Tech, redshirt sophomore. Started one game last year, played in 10, 158 snaps. He was the number one player in Michigan coming out of his class. Uh, he had 30, 33 Power 5 offers. 33 Power 5 offers. That's insane. That's like two and a half full conferences <laughs> of, of, of offers. Uh, top, uh, top 100 type guy. He's 5'11", 190, good size for a corner. Uh, you know, Josiah Scott was just fine at like 5'9". So uh, 5'11 is, is a really good size for a cornerback. Um, and then you have Shakur Brown, who started five games last year, had to you know sit down due to injury. He had 404 snaps on defense, basically doubling up, um, more than doubling up what Kalon Gervin had. Um, in his career, he's got five pass breakups. He's got two interceptions. He had a pick six against Indiana in 2018. 29 tackles. He was a three-star recruit out of Georgia. Has not the recruiting profile that these other two guys have, but he does have a bit more game experience at the cornerback position. So the way I'm kind of reading the tea leaves here and the way that I kind of view this, I think I really think that 
Scotty Hazleton was talking about the corners. He said, you know, Barnett's been been great. He's, you know, really improving every day and that kind of stuff. Truly, Kalon Gervin, he's a great athlete. He's making plays on the ball. But the way that they're talking about Shakur Brown makes me feel like he's going to be one of these starters. I really do think that it's going to be Julian Barnett and Shakur Brown on the outside. And that leaves Kalon Gervin for a, a role in the slot, which... It's probably not what he's looking for. He's a competitor. He wants to be one of those two guys that are on the outside locking down a top receiver that, that's making plays on the ball and that's starting like every snap. But when you look at the makeup of this team, I think he could be an awesome slot corner. I, I think he could be great in the nickel, and I think he can make a lot of plays. So I think these are the three guys you're going to see in some way, shape, or form. But if I had to predict it right now, I think Julian Barnett, Shakur Brown on the outside with Kalon Gervin running that nickel corner from the slot, you know, locking down slot guys, making plays around the line of scrimmage as well. So that's kind of how I see these position battles shaking out. Again, you have your quarterbacks. Uh, I think Rocky Lombardi is going to be the day one starter, whether that, you know, turns into um, a quarterback battle in week one, I, I really think that's going to be the case. I think more than one of these guys will take snaps in week one. And that that uh, position battle is not going to be shored up by the time we play Rutgers. Wide receiver, you have Jaden Reed, Jalen Naylor, Trayvon Morgan, Trey Mosley, CJ Hayes all in there. I think Jaden Reed, Trey Mosley, Jalen Naylor, these are going to be the three guys that will see the most playing time and catch the most passes. Trayvon Morgan is going to be in for a lot of playing time as well. Right tackle. I think Spencer Brown's going to win this job. I'm trying to read the tea leaves here. It really seems like he's made strides, and he's got a crazy athleticism for his size and his position. The second defensive tackle spot. Talent wins out here. I'm going with Michael Fletcher over Drew Beasley. Outside linebacker, I think Chase Klein's going to get the nod there as that third linebacker. And at corner, I think Julian Barnett and Shakur Brown are going to be the outside corners with Kalon Gervin running in the slot. There are more position battles on this team. I, I really do believe that with a new coaching staff, every spot's up for grabs. And of course, we know that Eli Collins is probably going to be the starting running back. We know that Matt Allen is probably going to be the center. We know that Naquan Jones is probably going to be, you know, there's some guys that we just know, but I think with the new coaching staff coming in here, there's probably more position battles than we even know about that are happening right now. So um, we'll, we'll make sure that we try to, uh, if, if there are any news coming out of the press conferences, and of course, when we get an initial depth chart, we're going to break all that stuff down. We'll be coming back on Thursday, so make sure you check that out. Subscribe if you haven't already. And of course, again, like I said, we're going to be hitting superlatives and predictions coming up soon. So make sure you follow on Twitter to get your votes in at Standing Room MSU. Have yourselves a great Monday. Have yourselves a great week. Take care, folks.